Hey everybody, welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in three things. Strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Although strong drinks right now I'm testing because I still have my heart seltzer, so not even a strong drink. But Funky Buddha, you do a good job with your heart seltzer, I'm not going to complain. Let's meet the panelists as we decide who is moving on to the Sweet 16 from the right side of our bracket for the best fictional band of all time. First up, from Fort Worth, Texas, Stephen, my friend, how you doing? What's drinking? Doing quite well today. I'm mellowing out on a delicious Seven Up Zero Sugar. It's the lemon lime taste that crunches all thirst. Now well, there you go, Stephen and his soda. Next up, though, we're heading out to Tampa, Florida. Joel, same two to you. I'm doing well, and uh, after that last episode and some of the stuff that's going on, I had to get something harder than water. Uh, so I'm polishing off the last of my bottle of Screwball, Ooh. the sugar peanut butter infused whiskey. That stuff's dangerous. Be careful. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. We're heading over to Huntsville, Alabama. Mike, you're up. Well, though, 115 proof uh Whiskey was a little much for, for me. Uh, I, plus I was also, uh, drinking it, uh, rather liberally, I would say during that last episode. So, uh, I decided for this episode, I was going to go rogue. Literally, this is from rogue brewing. Uh, it's their Shakespeare stout. It's a nitro. So it should have that nice little, oh, did you hear that? That nice little nitro release sound. Oh yeah. I, I saw, I saw the can with the Shakespeare. I've never had this one before, but I've had to pick it up. Rogue's a good brewery. They are, and I do love me a good stout, and that is a good stout. That's a, It's got a very deep, rich flavor. I like it a lot. Ooh, that does sound good. And it's finally getting cold, so that's another good thing. Amen to that. I'm happy for some cold weather. You know who's not happy for cold weather? The guy from Raleigh, North Carolina. Jeff, my friend, how you doing? What's <laughs> drinking? I'm doing all right. Um, technically still finishing off that uh, Lone Rider Sour Prospector from the last step. But once I'm done with that, I'll be cracking into this uh, Aviator Devil's Tramping Ground Triple. Uh, I've had it earlier on the show before. Uh, nice uh, Belgian triple from Aviator Brewing down in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Fun fact, I believe if you say the word Fuquay, Verena ten times, you just kind of automatically become Southern. Uh, let's not test that theory. <laughs> not looking to test that theory. Our fifth panelist tonight, Jason, unfortunately can't make it. He's got a a personal matter he's attending to. We will pick him back up in the Sweet 16. But that means that your host and yours truly is going to be your fifth panelist. Um, and I mentioned earlier, Funky Buddha. This is a Funky Buddha hard seltzer. It is the crisp pink grapefruit. And, oh, I got to get the Steven sound effect here. Hold on. <laughs> I hate the taste of grapefruit, but that's not terrible. We are starting off in the top right-hand quadrant of the bracket. We have got the one seed from the TV show Full House, Jesse and the Rippers, taking on the eight seed from the movie Airheads, The Lone Rangers. Steven, kick us off. Yeah, I'm still a little in shock that Jesse and the Rippers moved on. As I said before, all they did was take wonderful Beach Boy songs and make them much, much shittier than they were. 
even if you don't like the Lone Rangers, which is probably a mistake because they're a decent middle-of-the-road rock band, uh, the fact that Jesse and the Rippers is even in contention for anything is a shame and a travesty, and I can only assume it's because of the same spell that made America actually like Full House for as long as we did. I thought the spell was over, I thought our eyes were awake, hopefully I'm correct. Voting for the Lone Rangers. Lone Rangers get the first vote. Joel, you're up. See, this is another one where I'm going to contradict myself because uh, the Lone Rangers, a completely fictional band uh, that is uh, uh, not playing their own instruments uh, and is and is not the real members, whereas Jesse and the Rippers is an actual band and the band members are actual musicians that are playing it, which uh, by default would then make them the winner for me. However, uh, my wife is not here like last time, so I will not be reading that statement previously. <laughs> um, they're campy, they're cheesy, and you know what? I didn't realize the whole Beach Boy tie-in until last episode, so uh, I can't unhear that now. Um, and I still, if I was going to a concert, uh, book me for three to five, because I'm going to go see the Lone Rangers in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Lone Rangers have a second vote. Bring the next pick over to Mike. Well, I guess this is happening already. I wasn't sure. Uh, I had the the pleasure of seeing uh, an incarnation of the Beach Boys live about eight years ago uh, with John Stamos on drums in the in uh, D.C. So that was actually a really, really cool experience. But to me, that kind of checks the box of I have seen John Stamos with a band playing instruments. So I'm good. I. <laughs> uh, I've never seen any of the members of the Lone Rangers live and I would love to because they're all fantastic uh, actors and just all people that I love seeing. Ultimately, I'm a child of 90s alt rock a little more than I'm a child of 80s schmaltz rock. Uh, not to, not that I don't love them both, but if I have to gravitate towards one, I'm going to gravitate a little more to the 90s alt rock. And quite frankly, let's be honest, I, I kind of want Steve Buscemi to thrust his pelvis at me. So I'm going to give my vote to the Lone Rangers. Lone Rangers have knocked out the one seed in a game that has not been closed at all. Let's hear from Jeff and see if we got this one right. Don't we all want Steve Buscemi to thrust his pelvis in our general direction? I believe I'll that's that. what the world needs right now is, is more Steve Buscemi pelvic thrusts Little if we just fact had that, was that Burt i believe, I believe first draft the of that world song. would come together as one and become a peaceful place um but yeah i mean we got this one right clearly uh this is actually the first boozy bracketology i've been on where a one seed hasn't gone out in the first round and <laughs> I, I think i i probably voted incorrectly in moving jesse and the rippers forward last uh last time around and i'm not going to make that mistake again uh, the Lone Rangers deserve it, and let's see what they do in the next round. And last but not least is yours truly, and I just, I want to get regenerated. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want to <laughs> hear them play regenerated live. I don't want them to cut off the music. I don't want the, the guitars to be props. Although, if Steve Buscemi did dump into the, uh, jump into the crowd, I would definitely let him crowd surf. I would push him as far as I could along. 
But no, the Lone, this isn't close. The Lone Rangers is, is a, a phenomenal band from a movie that not enough people have seen. Um, we call them a middle-of-the-road rock band. I don't care. I'm going to take a middle-of-the-road rock band because I'm going to go to a middle-of-the-road rock show. Um, the fact that they were there and made like the the comparison to White Zombie, I'll never quite understand because that's a different sound altogether than what the Lone Rangers were. But no, Lone Rangers are the better band. Jesse and the Rippers, um, have mercy. Next up, we are moving along. The five seed is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. They're going to be taking on the four seed from Bill and Ted, the Wild Stallions. And this one, we are starting off with Joel. Oh, God, this really sucks because I really thought that that Bill and Ted would go pretty darn far. They're one of the the classic bands. I, uh, I used to have a t-shirt for the wild stallions too. Um, but man, I, I gotta give it to Hedwig. Um, that was something that, uh, just learning about that because of this podcast and stuff like that. I am definitely a fan. Uh, so I've got to go Hedwig for this one. Hedwig and the angry inch picks up a first vote. Next pick here. We're going to Mike. I have a lot of respect for the Wild Stallions. I myself generally try to live by the mantra of be excellent to one another. But but given that, I don't know that I necessarily want or need to sit through an entire Wild Stallion show just to get to that epic closer that's going to bring the entire universe together. As awesome as that is, I love a good rock opera. I'm a sucker for it. And that is what Hedwig and Hedwig and the Angry Inch is. I mentioned that was good bourbon last episode. <laughs> it I I was aware of the movie's existence, but I'd never heard any of the music until we arranged this bracket. And so I went I went and I I listened to the entire soundtrack, and I just I thought the music was fantastic. I would really enjoy seeing Hedwig and the Angry Inch live. So they're definitely getting my vote here. Hedwig gets this. Their, sorry, their second vote. I apologize. Hedwig gets their second vote. We are moving on. Next pick here is going to Jeff. There's an interesting metaphor in the idea of Bill and Ted having this amazing idea for a song that's going to bring everybody together and heal the world, and you just somehow never hear it. (laughs) (laughs) This is never there. It's not actually there. They're trying so hard to write the perfect song that they never even write a song. (laughs) So as someone who's a bit of a perfectionist, yeah, it speaks to me a little bit, you know, that there's, uh, I, I get it. I, uh, I I get the idea of being so obsessed with doing the most perfect and most wonderful thing that she forgets to even try to just do something good and something cool and leave it at that, man. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Uh, as, uh, as poignant as I just made this uh, somewhat silly exercise of the Wild Stallions become... It's not going to hold a candle to Hedwig and the Angry Inch, man. That that shit rocks. Uh, so, yeah, move, move Hedwig along, man. 
Hedwig picks up their third vote. Our next pick is mine. And I'm happy to be able to say this because I, I honestly think uh, if this was a tie ball game, this is a vastly different conversation. But if you get a chance to hear a song that's going to change the world, you hear a song that's going to change the world. I don't care how many iterations of other their other bullshit I have to sit through. I'm going to hear that song, damn it. I mean, if they're really going to be that that world-changing, I want to hear the Wild Stallions. That's what I want to hear. So my pick goes to the Wild Stallions. Last pick goes to Steven. Yeah, I don't get that at all, because the joke about the Wild Stallions, or at least the whole premise of Bill and Ted, is that they're not very good musicians. They can't even play their instruments at the end of the first movie. They're terrible. Terrible. They're air guitarist at best. That somehow they must just dumb luck their way into the best song ever. Right? But it's a three hour concert. You've heard the best song ever because it's the best song ever. It played on the radio all the time. You don't want to go to a Wild Stallions concert. What you want to go is watch Hedwig slowly degenerate on stage as Tommy Gnosis plays the bigger venue across the way and listen to that awesome rock opera story. How much does Hedwig and the Angry Itch work as a rock opera? Meatloaf covered the songs from it. I mean, come yeah. on. What, what, what more do I have to say? If, if Meatloaf, before he lost his voice, thinks that it's great rock opera that he wants to sing, it's great. Hedwig and the Angry Inch should just be an album that everyone puts on when they want a great rock album, regardless of the fact that it's a show tune. It's amazing. Push it along. And we are pushing Hedwig and the Angry Inch along, but we are moving along to the next pick. The next pick, by the way, is going to be started off by Mike. Mike, you're choosing between the sixth seed from the movie Eight Mile, Jimmy B. Rabbit Smith, or the three seed from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the Soggy Bottom Boys. This is kind of an interesting pick for me because I'm not really super huge into rap and hip hop, and I'm not really super huge into bluegrass. But in terms of which of these two make the genre more interesting to me and make me want to hear more, this is the Soggy Bottom Boys to me. I can honestly say that I get Man of Constant Sorrow stuck in my head way more than Lose Yourself. I, 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 and actually, I say that. I don't even know if Lose Yourself is would be considered a be rabbit song or an Eminem song. It kind of works in the same vein. It's a fantastic song. Don't get me wrong. And be rabbit as is proven in the movie is a great freestyle rapper. And that rap battle at the end is excellent, but the soggy bottom boys. Oh my gosh. Like they're just so much fun in that movie. And the third act, when they get up to performing on the stage and when everything comes to a head at once at that particular show, I mean, you know, just when they were, when they start singing the song and they go, it's the Soggy Bottom Boys. And, he, and Clooney, the look on Clooney's face when he's like, what is going on when everybody is cheering and going crazy when they start singing that song? And he has no idea that, they, that this song has basically been taking the nation by storm while they've been on the run. They would be so much fun uh, to see in concert. They're, a, they're just a blast. And I love that movie. And again, going back to what Jeff has said too, I, they're a band that I definitely care about in the context of that movie, people that I care about. Uh, so I am going to give my vote to the Soggy Bottom Boys here. Soggy Bottom Boys, pick up a vote. Next pick here is going to Jeff. Yeah, I, I think uh, 
obviously I agree with Mike. Uh, Soggy Bottom Boys are just a lot of fun in universe, uh, out of universe. So Soggy Bottom Boys are basically Union Station minus Allison Krauss, as I mentioned in the previous episode. And I really dig some of their stuff from uh, from from elsewhere, but obviously it doesn't necessarily matter in universe because we're just talking about the movie uh and i think uh i would just much rather listen to the soggy bottom boys play their thing and uh watch uh tim blake nelson and john torturo do their weird little square dancey thing on stage after the uh, before you get to the the song that everyone wants to hear and i think it'd just be a lot more fun uh um, you know nothing against b rabbit uh freestyle rap is fun but you know come out with a few songs and then we'll talk man but give my vote to the soggy bottom boys soggy bottom boys pick up a second vote the next vote goes to me and I, I find this weird because like I live in a world where I can go listen to Eminem whenever I want to listen to Eminem. So I'm trying to take Eminem out of the equation and imagine a world where he just doesn't exist. And the closest thing I have is B-Rabbit. And I honestly think that I am a lot more apt to listen to a B-Rabbit song than I am going to be to the Soggy Bottom Boys. Bluegrass is not my jam yet. Yeah, it's entertaining in the context of the film, but I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it. Whereas I'll go out of my way to listen to some hip hop and some rap. I like some rap music. I'm not a huge rap aficionado, but like uh, if Cream is on from Wu Tang Clan, I'm going to listen to Cream. If if Good Day from Ice Cube is on, I'm going to listen to it. B Rabbit's there. Like Eminem is kind of that same thing. If, if most Eminem songs are on the radio, I'm going to listen to it. If Eminem doesn't exist and B Rabbit's the closest I'm going to get, I'm going to go with B Rabbit. So that's where I'm giving my vote. Our next pick is going to Steven. So here's the thing. Uh, B-Rabbit is a more entertaining artist in and of himself. But when you think of 8 Mile, the thing that you remember the most are the rap battles. So if I'm going to just a concert where there's not any battles, or I can't be assured of the quality of the person he's going up against, like if the other person is just going to lay a turd, it's not entertaining. Um, so given that, the fact that you know there's always going to be a big question mark whenever you see him on stage... I think I would rather take the ticket to go see the Soggy Bottom Boys because I know what I'm getting and I know I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm going to go uh, with the Soggy Bottom Boys. And with the Soggy Bottom Boys pick up their third vote, moving them along to the round of 16. But I want to hear from Joel. Thank God this didn't come down to me because I was going to piss off half of you if it did either way. <laughs> um, you know, the musician side of me is screaming Soggy Bottom Boys all day long. Uh, but you know, I, he, yeah, you bring up a good point that you got to separate Eminem versus B rabbit. Cause in the movie B rabbit doesn't have any songs per se. He has the rap battles that he does. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm going back many years now. Um, but even that being said, I would kind of argue that, that, 
the rap battles are in essence a concert, if you will. It's it's there's definitely a crowd, there's definitely a show that's going on and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it is more improv than scripted. But that that doesn't necessarily make it any less of a art form or musicianship. I think uh, based off of that. Uh, if they were both playing on a Saturday night and I had to choose which one to go see, I'd probably see B-Rabbit. Just because I know what I'm going to see that night, nobody else will ever see again because it's all improv. It's all in the moment right then and there. Uh, And I I, uh, have mad respect for that kind of artistry. And B-Rabbit has a strong showing at the end, but he is not going to be moving along. The Soggy Bottom Boys are in the Sweet 16. We are moving along. And this next next pick is going to start with Jeff. Jeff, you are choosing between the 10 seed, Connor for real, and the Style Boys from the movie Pop Star, or the 2 seed from the movie That Thing You Do, It's The Wonders. This is an interesting pick for me because I feel like everyone else has seen that thing you do, and I've never gotten around to seeing it. Uh, meanwhile, I saw Popstar and really loved it, though I voted against Connor for real in the last round because I also love Pitch Perfect. So I'm not sure how much I can choose based on the do you care about this band thing because they're both the center of their movies right i mean the one the that thing you do is clearly centered around the wonders in their career uh pop star is very clearly focused on connor for real and his departure from and eventual reuniting with the style boys and yeah it's it's a lot of fun uh, I have to go back to the sort of music I generally like, and nothing against uh, Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island, but uh, the Wonders and you know, Fountains of Wayne behind them do it for me a little bit more than uh, than the kind of late two thousands pop does. So I got I got to get my vote to the Wonders. The Wonders pick up their first vote. Next pick is mine. Uh, and listen, if you have not seen the movie Pop Star, that movie is genuinely funny. Andy Samberg is real. He's good in everything he does, but that movie is freaking funny. But I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go to a Pop Star concert. I'm just, I'm not. That's not who I am. I would likely go see the Wonders, you know, at at this point in time, given how what the age, how old, when the movie was set, and how old they are now. They're probably in their sixties, and they had one hit, so they're probably playing a little dive bar and they're on the corner. But I'm still gonna go see the Wonders in concert if I can. Um, that thing you do is a really catchy song. I can't take you doing. I said I wasn't gonna sing. Boom, I lied. Th- that song is in my head whenever if I anytime I hear that the name that thing you do, or even if I'm randomly thinking about Tom Hanks, like. I, that song is there. It's always there. So the wonders gets my vote. Next vote goes to Steven. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to my old default. That The problem with the wonders here is that they are a one-hit wonder. Absolutely. So that means all of their other songs either sound exactly like that thing you do, and they're just not as good a version of it, 
or they've gone completely off the rails and the rest of the music doesn't sound anything like that thing you do. And I don't want to go to either of those concerts where I just have one song I like and then the rest is either shitty imitation or they've tried to overcorrect and gone the wrong way. So I think I'm still going to go uh, I'm going to go with Connor for real and the Style Boys and I'm just going to have to unlike everyone else in that movie enjoy it ironically and laugh along when everyone else is cheering. So Connor and the Style Boys. Connor gets his first vote. The next pick here is going to Joel. Uh, as much as I love Emma Stone in Turn Up the Beef, oh, um, <laughs> I go back to my satire thing of that, you know, I'm so humble is funny the first couple times I hear it, uh, but if it's played consistently on the radio or I'm listening to it more than once, that kind of stuff, uh, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I'm going to get tired of it, uh, whereas that thing you do... I don't know, man. I, I still sing it every once in a while when, uh, whenever I'm listening to that, uh, that sixties rock, I'm in that mood kind of deal. So, uh, I'm going to go with the wonders or the O'Neaters for me. The wonders pick up their third though. They are definitely moving on to the round of 16, but I want to hear from Jeff before we move, we move on to our next pick. My name is Mike, but I'll talk. Oh my God. Did I say Jeff, Mike, I'm so sorry. For me. <laughs> you're good. You're good. No, I, it's interesting because um, there's got to be a zillion songs in the world that have that that drum beat that's basically bum ba 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 bum bum ba bum ba bum. It's a very basic drum beat, but the song that pops in my head when I hear that drum beat is that thing you do. Having learned, you know, having learned a lot more about obviously it's based, you know, the the Oneaters wonders are you know kind of loosely based partially on certain aspects of the Beatles story, uh, which I've learned a lot more about as time has gone on. One of the things I love about that movie is, and about that band is that at the, when they originally do that thing, you do when they, they write it, they have the old drummer and they have to replace him with uh, shades, you know, Tom Everett Scott's character with sunglasses. And when they play it live, he quickens the beat and they originally wrote it as a ballad, but because he plays the beat faster, they have to speed it up. And that's what makes it a hit. The same was true with the Beatles, Please Please Me. They originally wrote it as a ballad, and George Martin said, no, you guys need to speed this up. This is not a ballad. This needs to be a quicker, catchier song. A lot of those kind of cool things uh, that go into that story that I, I find really fascinating. Uh, I would I would see both these bands live, honestly, but I, I don't know that I would necessarily pay top dollar. And you know Connor For Real is going to charge more. Uh even adjusting for the inflation of the last 50 years. So I would, I would also probably more likely pay to see the wonders live in concert because you know, even Steven makes a good point about, yeah, the whole point is that they're a one hit wonder, but there, you know, even I think a lot of the one hit wonders have hidden gems here and there, and I would be interested in discovering that. So yeah, the wonders, the wonders are moving on to the round of 16 and we're moving on to the last quadrants of our bracket. Now, we're going to be starting here with the one seed, Spinal Tap, taking on the ninth seed of the Folksman from the movie A Mighty Wind. And we're going to start with me, and I'm going to keep it short and simple. This is Spinal Tap, right? That's it. It's Spinal Tap. Moving <laughs> along. Next pick goes to Steven. 
Yeah, I think you. I think you're right there because um, with Spinal Tap, we've got a pretty full catalog of what they've been doing for a long time, and they've got a lot of good songs. Uh, the Folksmen, we've get the the Skeletons of Quinto song that we get like a little bit of. Um, you got the Barnyard Symphony thing, and then you got Edith Joe's. And those are all kind of kitschy and fun, but if every song's like that, it's gonna wear thin eventually. Um, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is a legitimately good band. I would go see them in real life. So Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap's got a two to nothing lead. The next pick here is going to Joel. We are Spinal Tap from the UK. You must be the USA. Yeah, you know, the the Folksman is a really good movie. Uh, and a really good band. I, I have to admit the the songs and musicianship, everything is kind of there. Uh, you know, they they really got into the the whole the whole culture and and part of the bluegrass band there. Um, but I love the the range that Spinal Tap has uh, from covering everything from like some of the classic rock to the to the glam rock up to the opera rock kind of stuff, you know, and they, they just cover a, a wide genre. Uh, it's the most recognizable of their two products for a reason. I think, uh, it's, it's a classic and, uh, I think we're going to be talking about them all the way till the end. Spinal tap has another vote. The next pick here is going hmm, to Mike. I know I voted against Folksman last time, but, but that was purely out of nostalgia, uh, for Robin sparkles. Uh, they are a great band. But this time I'm not voting for them because they're going against Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap might be the most fully realized fictional band on this list. They, their entire movie, we, we talk about, okay, how much does the movie focus on the band? Like their movie is literally a documentary, a mockumentary about the band. And I hold in my hand right now because I had to go grab it, my copy of the Spinal Tap CD. And it actually has like a full rundown from the Rocklopedia Britannicus, page 743. Uh, they have this whole like this whole bio of the band and everything like that. They list the drummers. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, no, I love Spinal Tap. There, it's such. A, this is Spinal Tap is such a fantastic movie. And but beyond that, the band is actually just incredible in their own right. So much so that they've gone on tours. And if they ever went on another tour, I haven't had a chance to see them yet, but I would absolutely go see them. Spinal Tap, all the way. Spinal Tap has its fourth vote. Jeff, do we have a sweep? So you know who opened for Spinal Tap on most of those tours? Ah. The Folksman. <laughs> and I got I to gotta give it to Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer, who are... Uh, you know, obviously the the masterminds behind both of these bands, and it's just indicative of how much manic comic energy those guys have that they're able to create not just one but two fully realized fake bands and take them through a substantial history uh, that. The Folksmen were a Saturday Night Live gag <laughs> that just kind of took on a life of its own, and they kind of integrated them together into a tour and brought them on tour, and eventually the Folksmen were playing alongside like Arlo Guthrie at folk festivals and shit. <laughs> like it, it's uh... 
these guys are geniuses is what I'm trying to say. And this is Spinal Tap is them at their absolute best. Um, yeah, if those of you out there haven't seen some of their other movies, like Best in Show, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, Waiting for Guffman. Uh, all these these movies are just, just really funny. But this is Spinal Tap is hilarious. We'll talk more about it in the next few rounds. But just an appreciation of those three guys putting together some amazing comic energy just as we uh, we talk about a uh, uh, a matchup that features them on both sides of the bracket so. <laughs> cheers <laughs> and with that spinal tap has swept its way to the sweet 16 we're moving on now the next pick uh, is going to be pretty interesting i can't wait to see what happens here we're going to start with uh, with steven steven you have got from the film back to the future the five seed marvin barry and the starlighters Taking on the four seed, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Okay, let's be honest. If we were rating like movies and Back to the Future was in the bracket, unless it was going against like Jaws, Back to the Future is going to be pretty much anything in my book. I've said on somewhere else on these podcasts that it is one of the like two perfect scripts ever written. Because every single thing in Back to the Future that's set up is paid off, and it's always worth the payoff. That being said, the band, Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, is just an okay cover band. The most interesting song they do is the rendition of Johnny Be Good, and that's only because Michael J. Fox is there to insert that into their repertoire. Um, but you know what's incredibly interesting to watch every single time they play? is Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. I mean, yeah, they're Muppets, I get it, but the Muppets are incredible and endearing for a reason, and one of those reasons is how much fun they are. And Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are an incredibly fun band. Every time I see them come on the show, I light up. I start paying attention again. They're great. I love them. So, yeah, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem is actually an easier choice than I thought it would be. Dr. Teeth picks up their first vote. The next vote is going to Joel. Yeah, I'm kind of with Steven on this one, too. I mean, outside of Earth Angel, I really can't think of any other Marvin Berry and the Starlight songs that I heard in there that were memorable. Uh, whereas Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem have quite the discoreography. If you listen over their hits over the last, uh, what is it, 50 years, I think, going on, like like 45 years or something like that. Uh, when the Muppets started, they were, they were introduced in, I think the seventies and, uh, they just did a cover of dancing in the moonlight in the Muppets haunted mansion movie that just came out on Disney plus Uh shameless plug for that. But, uh, my daughter and I just kind of watched that last week and had a blast with it. Uh, he, admittedly, they have to, uh, what I would call kids bop some songs sometimes when they cover them to make them <laughs> age appropriate and stuff. But still a, every member of that band is entertaining and comical. And I would watch them uh, do an entire hour long special just by themselves. And I believe that was another vote for Dr. Teeth. We are moving on here. The next pick is going to Mike. Probably not a whole lot of surprise for me. Uh, 
if you listen to the last episode, I, I got to go with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem here. Uh, Steven said it, that uh, Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, they're, they're a prom band. They're, they're a cover cover band. They're, they're pretty good, uh, but they're not as dynamic or iconic as the Electric Mayhem. Uh, even, even when they have a time traveler from the 80s who can come back and spice up a blues riff and B by throwing in a little Eddie Van Halen guitar solo towards the end, because why not? The Electric Mayhem, are, they're just jazzy and funky and fun. They're a blast to watch, and they've been around for, as Joel said, and gosh, it's just, it's mind-blowing to think about it, but they have been weaving in and out of a lot of Muppets media for over 40 years. It's awesome. They get my vote here. Dr. Teeth picked up his third vote. They're definitely moving along, and I want to hear from everybody, though. That includes Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest Muppets fan. Uh, they're okay, I guess. They're 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 a lot of fun, and uh, you know, Kermit's kind of a fun uh, fun voice to do, I guess. Uh, I don't know, uh, but he's not even in the fucking band, so why do I care? Uh, I voted against them the last round because they were up against Dewey Cox, who is just criminally underseated. But you got to move them forward here. Uh, Marvin Berry and the Starlighters exist. I think Stephen pointed it out in the last uh, matchup that they were in. Uh, They exist as a vehicle so that we can pretend that a white guy invented rock and roll. Uh, (laughs) So, yep. Great. Okay. Uh huh. Sure. Let's just. Let's just vote for the Muppets, and uh, they'll get annihilated in the next round anyway, so and that big of a deal. But <laughs> let's mess with the Muppets along. <laughs> well, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem has got its fourth vote. The sweep comes down to me, and I want to go ahead and just remind Stephen that the when he actually said that about Back to the Future, um, the other movie you were referencing was Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes, and it we was. All it was not know how Christmas that Carol. It was out. fucking Mickey's Christmas Carol, and you damn well know it. <laughs> I have Muppets on the brain. <laughs> Steven is still a little bitter, y'all. Still a little bitter. It's, it's been, at this point, 11 months, and it still has not subsided. But no, like, I Marvin Berry and the Starlighters... They're fun. they're a prom band from the fifties. I mean, come on, no one wants to see them in concert. The people that were there didn't want to see them in concert. They wanted to drink and try and get a little bit too far with the pretty girl from from uh, home economics, whatever class they were taking. I, I would go see Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Sure, I think that could be a fun show. And they've been going. They got a forty year long catalog, so you know they got some hits in there. Even Jimmy Buffett. Has hits after 40 years of doing stuff. I want to see. Yeah, I'm in. Dr. Teeth. Sweep. Let's move it along. We are down to our last two picks of the evening. The next pick we are going to start off with is going to be Joel. Joel, you are choosing between. Wow. The 11C Dingoes Ate My Baby from the television show The Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or the three seed from the movie of the same name, School of Rock. I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer for one reason and one reason only. Allison Hannigan. 
I got to go with School of Rock, man. Uh, it, not just because my daughter used to think I looked like Jack Black, um, but <laughs> I think I think it's just a great story that that the rock and roll revolves around it, and and I would definitely see them in concert. School of Rock picks up its first vote. The next vote goes to Mike. You know, when Stephen was talking earlier about uh, the Wild Stallions and how they basically lucked into a great song, it made me think of Tenacious D and Tribute when they basically just luck into playing the greatest song in the world. Uh, Which then, of course, led me to thinking about Jack Black and how much fun he is as a musician. And uh, then, of course, that naturally led me to thinking about School of Rock because... I mean, he is, he makes that movie work, but it's not just him that makes that movie work. They found a tremendously talented group of child musicians to play on that. And, and the fact that the fact that they managed to deliver on what they promise in that movie with a kick-ass rock show at the end is just absolutely amazing to me. It, it honestly, it actually still pisses me off a little bit that they didn't win that contest, but at least they got the encore. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Dingo's Ain't My Baby, they're they're a fine kind of post-grunge sort of band, uh, not taking anything away from them, but they're middle of the road. I think School, School Rock would be a much more fun band to see live. So they get my vote here. School of Rock picks up yet another vote. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, I mean... Scheduling issues with a bunch of middle schoolers in the band, notwithstanding, a concert from School of Rock would be incredibly entertaining. (laughs) And you know it would, because you've not only followed each of the musicians in the band for the entire movie, you followed their entire support staff throughout the entire movie. And you've been made to understand how many things are necessary to make an actual band work beyond just the musicians. Let's let's move School of Rock on and put a pin in that thought, and I'll probably come back to it in the Sweet 16. School of Rock is moving on to the Sweet 16, but before we do, we want to hear from everybody. That actually includes me. Yeah, it's School of Rock. Next pick is going to Steven. <laughs> Yeah, I think Chris just said it all. It's School of Rock. Dingo's in my baby's fine. I loved Buffy when it was on, but I don't need to go back to Buffy, and I don't need to go back to Dingo's in my baby. School of Rock. And with that, we're down to the last pick of the round of 32. This one's going to be a little tougher. Let's see what happens. We have got the 10 seed from the movie Coming to America. The group is called Sexual Chocolate. Taking on the two seed from Parks and Recreation, the band is Mouse Rat. We're kicking it off with Mike. Look, Sexual Chocolate is here because there was kind of an objection regarding whether Lustra is truly fictional in the last round. I I literally, even though I voted for them after Jeff brought that up, I used my buzzer beater to, you know, kind of sway things the other way just because, yeah, if they're if they were really just a tree, you know, and this is, it's an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of these bands that are fictional bands are really just real bands playing in the background. Neither here, neither. 
I used, uh, you know, I used my buzzer beater for that because I didn't have much left. But sexual chocolate, they're intentionally bad. It's they're funny. They're 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 hilarious in coming to America, but they are they're not intended to be a super serious band that you would really want to see. And quite frankly, as someone who was not familiar with Parks and Rec and only knew Mouse Rat just based on that that they had this kind of reputation had been referenced a lot on some Reddit threads and stuff like that. I was expecting the same thing. And when I looked them up, I was pleasantly surprised that they had some really good tunes behind them. And I think they definitely deserve to move on here. So I'm giving my vote. Mousetrap picks up their first vote. The next pick here goes to Jeff. Yeah. And Mike said it pretty well there sexual chocolate are bad intentionally shit so for the purpose of the movie they're they're a gag they're a funny gag and that's it mouse rat actually have the chance to develop over a couple of seasons they have some songs that aren't terrible uh you care about the front man uh and Hey, even as as lame as Chris Pratt's character is in the first couple of seasons of Parks and Rec, really gets a lot better <laughs> towards the end and towards you know when you're actually finding out more about the band. So yeah, let's uh, let's give my vote for to Mouse Rat. Uh, I know that uh, that Duke Silver himself is on the uh, on the panel here. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so let's, uh, let's let, uh, Joel, who is actually Nick Offerman in disguise, uh, weigh in is a little bit on this, but my vote definitely goes to Mouse Rat. Mouse Rat's got a two to nothing lead. That brings the pick over to me. Yeah. What everyone else said, this, this isn't a difficult choice here. Uh, 10,000 candles in the wind is still stuck in my head. Um, I'll watch Parks and Rec whenever I can. That's one of my favorite television shows of all time. It's so endlessly rewatchable. It's great. But Mouse Rat's a f- really funny band. Uh, so much so. I, I actually enjoy Mouse Rat so much that we were at a con a couple years back, and there was a company out there that put together fake album covers for fake bands in their albums. So Dingo's Ate My Baby is one that we bought, but one was for Mouse Rat. Um. And had like all these fake titles in the back, or actually maybe real titles from the songs they mentioned throughout the show, but it's really freaking cool. Next pick though is going over to Steven. Well, it's interesting that you always get ten thousand candles in the wind stuck in your head since the song is five thousand candles in the wind. I've been drinking. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. All right. The end so of the listen. episode, man. That's it. Um yeah, up in horsey heaven, here's the thing. You're going to trade your legs for angel wings, and you're always going to be my horsiest friend. I mean, with lyrics like that, how can you not vote for Mouse Rat? <laughs> mouse Rat all the way. <laughs> with that, Mouse Rat's got a four to nothing vote. Last but not least, we're going to hear from Duke Silver himself. Go ahead and chill me with your smooth jazz. (laughs) I don't appreciate you all blowing my cover. (laughs) However, (laughs) uh, 
this is tough because of my loyalty towards everything that is coming to America. That is my desert island movie. If that desert island had power and a DVD player and a TV, and that was all I could watch. Um, hands down, favorite movie of all time. Sexual Chocolate, I think, is a great bit in there uh, as part of that. But uh, whereas Sexual Chocolate, I think, will only play venues uh, that do not pay. Uh, as in, hey, listen, my cousin's got a, is the sax player in a band for my wedding or something like that. Or, hey, we're doing a charity function. We need a band to play. You'll get exposure. That's your pay in that. Uh, Mouse Rat, I think, will actually put down the $25 to book the rec center and try and sell tickets for that. Uh, they actually, interestingly enough, came out with an actual album, too. Uh, I guess uh, Pandemic got stirred a little bit into them, and uh, in August of this year, they released the awesome album by Mouse Rat with all the hits on there, including some by Duke silver. Uh, yeah, uh, I got to go with mouse rat. Uh, I'd rather see them, uh, in whatever form of name that they choose to represent themselves in, in there over a cheesy wedding cover band. Now, after that stirring rendition, uh, I will now real recognize that I do in fact have sex hair. Um, and I will not be falling <laughs> into a pit anytime soon. If you have not seen the scene where Chris Pratt is trying to figure out how to sing, make his songs into children's songs, and he's trying to explain to his wife why he has to change the word hair from the song Sex Hair, and that's not why the song is inappropriate, it's hilarious. Go watch it. But that, <laughs> you got sex bears. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Chris Pratt, he's so good in that. But, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another episode of Boozy Bracketology. When you hear us again, we're going to be going through the Sweet 16. And just to recap, the next round, the Sweet 16 for this portion of the bracket, is going to feature the Lone Rangers taking on Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the Soggy Bottom Boys taking on the Wonders, Spinal Tap against Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, and then School of Rock against Mouse Rat. There were some really dominant performances this time, but that just means that Sweet 16 is going to be really, really contentious. Jump on there, listen to us when that episode comes out in the next couple of days. <clears throat> if you're enjoying Boozy Bracketology, find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PTEBB is your exclusive home for all the bonus content, not only for Boozy Bracketology, but our sister podcast, The Pub Trivia Experience. Um, it's a great way to give back. Let us know that you're enjoying the content that we're providing on a regular basis. Um, if you're liking it, hey, do me a favor. Five-star rating. Write us a review. That would be absolutely awesome of you. Facebook is the lounge. Fans of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology. Twitter at Boozy Brackets. Instagram, Boozy Bracketology. For the Boozy Bracketology podcast, I have been Chris. I have been Steven. Duke Silver here. <laughs> <laughs> I continue to be Mike. I'm Jeff. And we will see you next time with the Sweet 16. Have a good one.